on Friday, by the grace of God, we, 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 we extensively talked about um, Jesus as the firm foundation because that's the theme of this conference, of this anniversary. And um, we exposed, you know, went into the scriptures as the Holy Spirit helped us to show us the, the, the meaning of a foundation, what foundation means, literally, and what it means spiritually. And how Jesus has become the chief cornerstone, our only foundation. Because the scripture tells us in Corinthians that no other foundation can anyone lay other than that which has been laid. And that is Jesus Christ. So, and we dealt in prayer with some foundational issues as well, as the Holy Spirit helps us. I know today is Thanksgiving, and I just quickly want to start by making a few suggestions, you know, to us on how to remain on a firm foundation that is Jesus Christ. And then we take that into Thanksgiving. Praise the name of the Lord. Number one thing I want to, and I will take that like bullet points as, as fast as I could because of the limited time. You know, I want to say if you must remain on the firm foundation Jesus Christ, let me suggest number one, that you haven't found Jesus, haven't, you know, obeyed the scripture, haven't obeyed the truth. The scripture tells us in Hebrews chapter number 12, Hebrews chapter number 12, and I quickly read one to, one to two. It says, therefore, therefore. And somebody said, when you read, there, when you hear, therefore, there is something there for you. Amen. There is something there for somebody here. Amen. Amen. When you say, therefore, there is something there for you. There is grace. There is mercy there. He said, therefore. In other words, going by what we have read and studied before, spoken before. We also, since we have surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. Let us lay aside. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. The race that is set before us, not behind us. In other words, if anybody is here listening to the Holy Spirit here this morning, he says, remember not the former things. Neither consider the things of old. They are behind you already. Somebody offended you five years ago. It's behind you. Get over it. I don't know why I'm going there this morning. But it says the race is set before you, not behind you. Why do you keep looking behind? Hello? Now, this is where I'm going. Verse number two says, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, not behind before him endured the cross despising the shame and sat down finally at the right hand of the throne of God. How did he get there? You know, he despised the shame. He kept moving on. So number one thing for you is to keep looking unto Jesus. Keep looking unto Jesus. Colossians 2, 6-7 Colossians 2, 6-7 It says, as you have therefore received Jesus Christ, it says, walk in him you know, walk in him and be rooted and built up in Christ. Be rooted and get built up in Christ Jesus. Amen. And I told us, when you, when you stay, when you stand on the rock of a firm foundation, your story sometimes might be like the story of the boy I shared with us on Friday. 
this, the waves of life might come, the storms might come, and like he swept that little boy into the rock. They asked the little boy the following morning when they came to, to, to get him out of that place, didn't you tremble? He said, yes, I did. But one thing I noticed, that the rock inside which I found myself didn't. Amen. So, storms may come, troubles may come, but when you have a firm foundation, nothing moves you. Amen. So, number two, I said number one, keep looking unto Jesus. Put the beh everything behind, behind. Amen. And keep moving on. Second, we are encouraged to stand fast according to Galatians chapter 5 verse number 1. Galatians 5 verse number 1. We are encouraged to stand fast in the liberty wherewith we have been made, that has made us, wherewith Christ has made us free. And be not entangled again. Be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. God has delivered you. He has broken some yokes and, you know, the devil in your life. Don't be a Christian again that still sends some money for some people to make some things on your behalf. Because it is being done in the family. Oh, because every year there's a max grade that must come. Even if you cannot come from Canada, why don't you send your home money so we can buy what you are supposed to? And people say, well, I may not be there. I don't worship idols anymore. I don't do things like this anymore. But my money can go. You are getting entangled with the yoke of bondage. God has delivered you from pursuing people in miniskirts and all those things around. Keep your eyes straight henceforth. If you must stay on the firm foundation, keep your eyes straight. Grow in grace. In John 5.14, John 5.14, this man who suffered from paralysis for 38 years, Jesus healed him and set him free from that bondage. And later, Jesus found him in the temple and he advised him in verse 14. He says, see that, see, you have been made well. He says, sin no more. Lest a worse thing, lest a worse thing come unto you. Are you with me this morning? And if you read, have time to read Matthew chapter 12, Matthew 12, 43 to 45. You know, the scripture says when an unclean spirit leaves a man or woman or whoever and goes away, you know, and before unclean spirit leaves somebody, a, a superpower, you know, Jesus' power must have intervened. He said, after some time, that unclean spirit will come back and check. The spirit of alcohol that has been cast out will want to come back and check whether the house is still as powerful or is now empty. The Bible says if he comes and he finds that that individual has not grown and is still messing with sins, he said that spirit will go back and go and bring seven worst spirits and they will inhabit that person so that the end of that man or the last state of that man is worse than his beginning. That won't be a portion in Jesus' name. The end of that man will be worse than its beginning. But in contrast to that, when you check Psalm 37 and verse 37, in contrast to somebody finishing, you know, wrongly, 37 verse 37 of Psalm says, Mark the perfect man and behold the upright. For the end of that man or the future of that man is what? Is peace. The future of that man is peace. 
It doesn't matter. It has brighter days ahead. It doesn't matter what may be happening now. Because he's a perfect man. Because he's standing on a firm foundation. He may not have money today. Money is coming tomorrow. You know, certain things might be going wrong today, but things are going to take shape. It's just a matter of time. Number three, quickly, you know, things you must take notes to remain on firm foundation. Make up your mind to remain on Christ as your firm foundation till he comes or till the end of time. That one says, I've got my mind made up. I've got my mind made up that I will turn back. Want to see my Jesus someday. I've got my mind made up and I will turn back because I want to see my Jesus someday. So you've got to make up your mind that you remain on Christ as your firm foundation. Second Peter chapter 2, 20 to 22. Second Peter chapter 2 and from verse 20 to 22. If you have it for me quickly. Amen. Second Peter 2, 20 to 22. It says, for if after they have escaped the pollutions of the world, through the knowledge of who now? Through the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, you know, through the knowledge of the Savior. You see, and they are again entangled in them and overcome. He said, the latter end is worse with them than the beginning. Next verse. Next verse. For it, had been be it would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than after they have known it to turn from the holy commandment delivered unto them. Next verse. But it, it's happened unto them according to the true proverb. The dog is turned to his own vomit again. And the, and the soul that was washed to her wallowing in the, in the mire. Praise the name of the Lord. Let me read that in, my, in the New King James edition. He said, but it has happened to them. According to the true proverb, a dog returned to his own vomit. And so having watched to her wallowing in the mind is the same thing. Praise the name of the Lord. So make up your mind that you will serve Jesus to the end of time. Now the last point, and that is where we go into the thanksgiving. It's Colossians. Colossians 2, 6 to 7. Colossians 2, 6 to 7. We must remain in the attitude of thanksgiving. You, we must remain in the attitude. And that's the last point. I want I will now emphasize more before we close. Colossians chapter 2, 6 to 7 says, As you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, as you have been taught, as you have been what? As you have been what? As you have been taught, abandon in it with what? With thanksgiving. Abandon in it with what? Abandon in it with thanksgiving meaning everything you do in christ you must abandon thanksgiving whatever may be going on in your life on a daily basis your life must be full of thanksgiving you know another scripture is other version says overflowing with thanksgiving your life must be overflowing with what with thanksgiving and that takes me now to the test or the bible reading that we had earlier um, that we read earlier you know the whole story now. The man who was born blind. And of course Jesus 
gave him back his sight. And in verse 20, let me jump to 24 now. So they again called the man who was born blind and said to him, and said to him, give God the glory, for we know that this man is a sinner. He answered and said, whether he's a sinner or not, I do not know. In other words, I don't even care. One thing I know that no one can take away from me. One thing I know that is not subject to any controversy whatsoever. One thing I know that can be snatched off from my hands, of my fingers. That though I was blind, but now I see. Once I was blind, now I see. I want to say, may I say to us that thoughtfulness produces thankfulness. Thoughtfulness does what? Produces thankfulness. If you see somebody who's been grumbling and whining from morning to night, hey, this is my husband, my wife, my whole children, everything, you know, it's because that person has not taken a moment to be quiet and at least look around and see what God has done well in his life or our life. We heard some testimonies here this morning. You see, somebody drove, getting home. I mean, home should be home. That gives you joy. Now, unexpectedly, she didn't re realize that the alarm was, was activated. You know, she forgot. And jumped out of the car without putting the car, if not for the Lord. You know what that could be. It could have been something very disastrous. But we give God praise. So you've got to learn to think about every little and big things of your life. That God has made to go well. To give yourself some joy. Instead of just grumbling and complaining. Thoughtfulness produces thankfulness. Without being thoughtful. One may lack the right perspective. That produces thankfulness. Because every man's perception. You know is his reality. Every man's perception is his reality. So to be thankful is not just. A thing of the mouth. But it's a matter of the mind. It's not just a thing of the mouth. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, but your mind is not saying hallelujah. But if your mind, you know, because you think in your heart, you know, with the mind, you know, all various thoughts take place. So if you, if you are too thoughtful in your heart, in your heart, it will soon show in your mouth. You begin to say thank you, Jesus. You begin to sing praises. Amen. One wonders what was the mind of the one leopard who returned in Luke 17. Who chose to return to Jesus with thanksgiving. Haven't been healed it is clear in my mind he wasn't trying to show off he was just trying to show his own state of mind even though there were 10 that were healed but he realized others may not return but not in my own case i appreciate what the lord has done for me he must have known something that others don't know and his thoughtfulness produced thankfulness Therefore, thanking God for Robot Assembly and every member of this church for five years of great grace upon this house, you know, we can only do that when we are so thoughtful, when we really, really. Beg your pardon, 1593 to 1633. 
said, Thou hast given so much to me, O Lord. Give me one more thing. Guess what? A grateful heart. Thou hast given so much. So much to me. O Lord. Please give me one more thing. Some of us will have thought, oh, maybe we'll ask for the death of his enemies. No. He said, give me one more thing. And that's one more thing that we all need. And that is what? A grateful heart. A grateful heart. The psalmist says, I will bless the Lord at all times. Psalm 34. He says, I will do what? I will bless the Lord at every given time of the day. He says, his prayer shall continually be in my own mouth. My neighbors may not praise God, but I will always fill my mouth with the praises of God. He says, my soul will make its boast. Not in how many degrees I've acquired. Verse number two. My, make we my, my soul will make its boast in the Lord. And then the humble will hear thereof and they will be glad. Verse 3 says, Oh, magnify the Lord with me. In other words, I'm already a peseter in praising God. Oh, join me. Join me in praising God. Oh, magnify the Lord with who? With me. And let us exalt his name together. He said in verse 4, he said, I sought the Lord. In case you don't know my testimony. I sought the Lord and he heard me. How can the almighty God hear me? He heard me. I'm telling you. He heard me. He heard me. In the corner of my room, he heard me. When the truck was about to knock me off the street, he heard me. When sickness was about to take me away, he heard me. When the enemy said, I won't make it tomorrow, he heard me. He heard me and delivered me from all my fears. Verse 5 says, they looked unto him and they were lightened and their faces were never ashamed. Their faces were never ashamed. But she says, this poor man, you know, this poor man, referring to himself again, cried out and the Lord heard him and saved him from all these troubles. Verse 7 says, the angel of the Lord encamp around them that fear him. And does what? And deliver them. It says, oh, taste and see that the Lord is God. That's, that's where I want to stop in Psalm 34. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is God. We must constantly, constantly bring to mind the goodness of God in our lives. Many of us, where we are today, is just the beginning of where God is taking you. But already you are not thankful enough for even what he has already done, what he's done. Because if you can think back in the last 5, 10, 20 years or 30 years, you know certain fears that, 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 has taken, that have taken hold of you, that took hold of you. And one by one, God delivered you from all of them. And you find yourself where you never thought you could ever be today. We must constantly remind ourselves that God has been good to us. There are dangers of not, of not bearing in mind what the Lord has done. And we are coming to John 9, where we're going to close. We're coming to that John 9. We're going to close. Dangers of not, of not of despising what the God, God has done or not being mindful of them. Number one, you will underestimate. 
or trivialize those blessings. And guess what? Somebody did that in Genesis. Esau. So he sold it. Because he didn't know the value. Had it been that he was thankful for the birthright every day of his life, he would have known that it's a precious thing. He was never thankful for it. So he threw it away. One can lose it. Esau lost it. Hebrews 12, 16 was referring to him as a profane person. Somebody who is unworthy. Somebody who is not worthy. Who, who, does, who didn't even deserve the blessing. Another danger of despising or not calling to mind what God has done is that you might end up envying others. And then you inflict your, you begin to inflict your pain with, unnecess, with yourself with unnecessary pain. Psalm 73. Psalm 73. You know, the writer said, I almost treat you know, when I saw the prosperity of sinners, who oh, I thought it's better to be a sinner than to be a saint, and I was almost trying to, I was getting to the point of throwing away my Bible or church or anything else and join them. He said, but when I went into your sanctuary, you opened my eyes that they are not to be envied. That sinners are not to be envied in their prosperity. That I need to be more thankful that God has brought me into the robot assembly. Hallelujah. We are fruitfulness abound. And as a result of that, I say, when you despise the blessings of God, you, you end up having sorrow instead of joy. Because there are a lot of things in your life that should give you joy. So why will you hold on to one thing that didn't go well or has not gone well? It takes the living to be alive. I mean, it takes, you mean, it takes the living to praise God. It takes the living to also grumble or to do anything. So, so your life comes first. If you have your life, then you have hope. And who is the giver of life? And he's the only one who can take it. So if he has given you life, then you should be thankful every day of your life. Praise the name of the Lord. So we can be unthankful, we can be ungrateful. Like the prodigal son's brother, because of time. And then, let me say this, we can misbehave. We can so easily misbehave. And now we'll be waiting for God to come and remind us in a hard way. And when God begins to remind you in a hard way, it's usually very, it's, it's a very dangerous thing. For God to begin to tell you, son, daughter, you know, you have been so unhappy with yourself. Can't you just think about some of the things I've done for you and give me some praises? You remember the story of David in 2 Samuel chapter 12, 7 to 10. 2 Samuel chapter 7, chapter 12, beg your pardon, 7 to 10. You know, quickly, say, Thus said the Lord God of Israel, I anointed you king over Israel. This is the, you know, after he had taken or impregnated this woman, um, Bathsheba, Uriah's wife. And he thought as the king he could just snatch this and, you know, nothing will happen. And God sent a prophet, his prophet to him. And in verse 7, he said, Thus said the Lord God, I anointed you king over Israel. And I delivered you from the hand of Saul. Are you with me this morning? See where God is going. Verse 8. I gave you your master's house. And your master's wives. Into your keeping. And gave you the house of Israel. And Judah. And if that had been too little. Hello. And if all of that. 
had been too what? Too little. I also would have given you much more. Instead of you just going and begin to misbehave and do things that you are not supposed to do. And, and I, I see, the, God says, I gave you this. I gave, you think God doesn't know what he gave you? Already this year. What he gave you in January, February, March. Oh, you are thinking maybe children. No. He may have given you children, but he has given you health. He has given you sight. He has given you a lot of things. A lot of things. Good relationship. Good job. Good, you know, a lot of things. You can't, you can't just count them. I gave you this. I gave you that. So every believer that I received, you will know that you must be sober and say, wow. So God knows how much he had given me. And yet many of us are sitting down enjoying the message. God has given you so much talent to help the work of the ministry. And he knows he gave you. And you are not using any of those things for God. You better repent today. So however, like the man now, going back to John 9 as we wrap up, like the man in our text who was born blind, Jesus gave him his sight. In other words, gave him just, I mean, God gave him a new story. He had a testimony that cannot be tarnished. You know, he developed boldness that cannot be bullied. You know, by counting his, his testimony, he said, one thing I know. I was blind, now I see he was giving himself a sense of self-worth over net worth. You may not appreciate what God has done in my life. I know I used to be blind. But now I know who God has made me to be. By counting his blessings, he received joy that cannot be quenched. And a song of praise that cannot be stopped. That was his own experience. That was his experience. So how the Pharisees kept doing, working hard and saying, look, just don't worry. Be, be, you're, you're, you were once blind and now your, your eyes are open. It's not a big deal. Let's leave that, that miracle is not what we want to talk about. We want to talk about how you got it. Who is it that healed you? Don't you know that man is a sinner? Don't you know that man does not deserve to... Oh, that one says, oh, a sinner can perform a miracle. He said, we have not heard that since the world began. However, whether you call him a sinner or not, I don't care. I need to talk about my own blessing. What he has done in my whole life. You are not the one who was blind. I was the one who was blind. You are not the one who was lost. I was the one who was lost. You are not the one who was jobless. I was the one who was jobless. You are not the one who was sick. I was the one who was sick. And he healed me. And he delivered me. And he blessed me. Left and right. Front and back. Up and down. And you are telling me the one who blessed me is a sinner. They kept pushing. The, even the family were not, you know, his family was not ready to, to, you know, because they were afraid they would cast them out of the temple, which they did eventually anyway. They cast the boy out. You know, Revelation 12, 11 says they overcame him. By what? By the blood of the lamb. I'm by what? I'm by the word of their testimony. You must know one thing, at least one thing that God has done in your life. That every time you recall it, it should give you joy and not sorrow. It should make your mouth to open to say, thank you, Jesus. It should help you to be able to forgive others and let them go. Because you know God has done so much in your whole life. You must know one thing that God has done in your life. That cannot be purchased with money. 
You must know how far God has brought you. You must be conscious of what he has done directly in your whole life. The psalmist says in 103, say, bless the Lord, oh my soul, and bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, and forget not all his benefits. You must remember certain things that you will not let go. And I tell you, when you call such things to mind, they make you stronger than your enemies. Because this man became stronger than the Pharisees and the Sadducees. He kept repeating to himself his testimony. That God has done this. God has done this for me. The goal of the enemy is to make you despise your blessings. To make you look like it's not worth it. Oh, which job? The job that they pay me $80,000 a year. When my colleagues are uh, earning $200,000. Oh, oh. oh, now you are talking about $80,000 as a small money. You are forgotten the day you didn't even have $1,000. Hello? Now you don't appreciate all that God has done in your house. Oh, because somebody has a 12-bedroom house and your home one is now looking like um, it's a small hut. Oh, you have not been on the street and seen how many people are homeless. Or how many people who have used their life to work for money and now they are using their money to look for their health. We must develop the... So the goal of the enemy is to make you despise what God, God has done in your life and make them look too small. Somebody said, the higher you fly, the smaller you become in the eyes of those who cannot fly. You know, the higher you fly, the smaller you become in the eyes of those who are on ground. That's what the enemy wants you to see, so that you see that what God has done is nothing. It's nothing to talk about. And I tell you, when disappointments come knocking as spoilers of joy, tell yourself, I may not know it all, but one thing, I know. Once I was a sinner, but now I am saved. Once I was sick, but God has healed me. Once I was weak, now I am strong. Once I was fearful about this year, about whether I would make it to December or not. But ladies and gentlemen, this is December 2nd, 2018. And I'm still standing. And I'm still blessing the Lord. And I'm not sick. And I'm not on hospital bed. And I have enough to spend. I have, my family is happy. My world is happy. I'm not running from bullets. I'm not, you know, I'm not, I'm not burying anyone. Nobody's burying me. Hallelujah. One thing I know. One thing I know. Philippians 1 says, Philippians 1 says, says, being confident of this very thing, of just one thing, that he who has begun a good work in us will be faithful to complete it to the day of Jesus Christ. In 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy 1.12, if you have that scripture, 2 Timothy 1.12, quickly, 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 12. Amen. Apostle Paul, says, for this reason, I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know something. Hello? For I know whom I have believed, and I'm persuaded that he is able to keep what I've committed to him until that day. You've got to be persuaded about your own miracle. Otherwise, your neighbor will tell you it's not, it's not anything to thank God for. You must know something. You must be persuaded that God has been so good to you. That God has brought you this far, not by your strength, not by your power, but by his own spirit and by his own grace. 
So as I close, being thankful enriches your soul. You don't need to get sick before you get better. Hello? I said being thankful enriches your soul. You don't need to get sick before you what? When you praise God, you get better. Things get better with you. Your health get better. Your laughter get better. Your relationship get better. Amen. Thanksgiving makes you get better. An Irish proverb says, if you can't see the bright, he said, polish the door. If you can't see the bright side, he said, look for the one that is door, polish it. Make it shine and thank God that. You know, that was, look at you. If you can't see any new miracle or new testimony, look for the old ones and make it look fresh and say, thank you. Thank you, Lord. 20 years ago, 25 years ago. Oh, Lord. And then every heaviness will disappear. Because we have recalled from the archive. And hold blessing, hold miracle. And you are still thanking God. And today is still fresh before God. So you don't wait for God to remind you like David. I gave you this. I gave you that. I gave you this. I gave you that. And you have been so forgetful. Somebody said God has two dwellings. Guess where they are? One in heaven. Where is the other one? In a meek and a thankful heart. That's where else you find him. Amen. The Bible said the people that do know their God. They shall be strong and do exploits. Daniel 11, 32. The people that do know their God. One thing I know. I know this God never fails. I know this God is a faithful God. That is enough to make you rise up in the morning. And say today is a brighter day. Today is a great day in my life. This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Which day? This is the day. It doesn't matter even if it is just five dollars I have left. This is the day that the Lord has made. Who will rejoice? I will rejoice and be glad in it. Rise to your feet. Rise to your feet. When the Lord brought back the captivity of Zion. We were like those who dreams. Then our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongue with singing. Then they said among the nations, hey, they are singing, oh, the Lord must have done great things for them. And he says, the Lord has truly done great things for us. And because of that, we are glad. Are you glad this morning to be here? Thank you.